story you are about to hear is true. Attention, all true. She's alive. I had exposure to Land of the Lost at an early age. I remember watching it in reruns in the 80s, probably even in the 70s. And when we got our first VCR, it was one of the shows that I reported. There were so many things that I loved about it. I loved the imagery. I loved dinosaurs. I loved the slee stat. I loved the whole high fantasy. I know that the effects were kind of cheesy. And once I got a little older, I even realized that. I probably didn't know it when I was 8 or 9. But once I hit 12, I think I knew that this was a kind of cheesy show, but I still continued to watch it. Because for a person who liked fantasy and who liked dinosaurs, it was one of the best shows I could watch on Saturday morning. So as I got older, I stopped watching Land of the Lost. There were lots of other shows on, and I moved on. Then as I got a little bit older, I started re-watching them again. Then the internet came along. And this was early internet. This was like Lynx browser, Emacs, things like that. And I had gotten involved in playing around with making my own web page. This being the early to mid-90s, I couldn't put any graphics on the website, as you would see it today. This was pre-Mosaic browser. Even with those limitations, one of the first websites I created was a Land of the Lost site. It was very basic, cast, put some episode names, that sort of stuff, and I tried to track them all down. It was a very primitive fan site. Then, the Mosaic browser came along, and you could actually have images. You could use HTML to put images on a site. I can't tell you how difficult it was for me to get an image for Land of the Lost from my site. I had to track down somebody who could actually scan an image, and then I had to find an image of a slee stack from an old magazine at a library, get that magazine out, I'm not telling you how I did that, get it scanned, and then get that file up on the web. It was a triumph for me, and it was, I hope, one of the earliest images of Land of the Lost actually on the web. I really wish I had a copy of this website. It was way before the Wayback Machine, so it's lost to time. I guess maybe it went into the Land of the Lost. So why am I talking about Land of the Lost? Well, because there's a new movie coming out, Will Ferrell Vehicle, that is a comedy, which I'm not amazingly happy about, but I'm, I think it'll be pretty good. I mean, I imagine I'll get a few chuckles out of it. Originally, I was really down on it completely, and then I saw the preview and those slee stack came out on the screen, and I got chills. So on opening day, I will be there. They can count on my 10 bucks or whatever it's going to cost me, but I will see it. On today's show, we are going to talk about The Land of the Lost, the original 1974 series, talk about the cast, talk about the story, we'll talk about the short-lived 1991 series, we'll touch on the upcoming movie, and we'll throw in a few surprises. So without further ado, let's start the show. Land of the Lost is a story about a family, the Marshalls, who are on a routine expedition 
and are swept down a waterfall through a portal that opens up and brings them to a new dimension, a land of the lost. This is not meant to be another error in Earth's history. This is a completely different world where different pieces of realities have been swept in and they encounter all sorts of interesting but mostly prehistoric creatures dinosaurs cavemen and the aforementioned sleestack who are very important to the plot of the show the show was made by sid and marty croft who most people knew at the time as the makers of such stylized puppet shows as hr pup and stuff and lidsville so having seen those shows you realize how much of a departure land of the lost is for them it is actually fairly epic in terms of its scale, the show is a remarkable blend of realism and fantasy. Even though the effects can be cheesy, the Crofts and the people behind the show realized this. They knew that if the show was convincing enough in other ways, since it was a children's program, they could put up with some minor inconsistencies in the realism. One of the interesting details about this attempt to create a real mythology was that they brought in a linguist to work on the Pakuni, or cave people's language. So, so what you see when Shaka and his friends are talking is actually a language that was made up by a linguist named Victoria Fromkin, and it was based on the sounds of West African speech. And the show gradually pulled it in. So towards the end of the first season, you would actually start to recognize real words. This wasn't just gibberish, but they were building a real fantasy world with real languages. It's very cool. Very ahead of its time. When you watch the show as an adult, you realize that a lot of the sets were recycled, but you should also appreciate that they would try to rearrange these sets to add a sense of realism. I mean, these shows were done on a budget, but the people behind Land of the Lost took it seriously enough that they would attempt to change the way a cave looked or move some trees around to make the background look different. But during the first two seasons of the show, they were on very small sets that were heavily recycled, and they did the best they could with what they had. Now, in the first two seasons, the show was filmed at a modular indoor soundstage at General Service Studios in Hollywood. In the third season, they moved to Golden Studios. This was conveniently timed with the family moving from their cave, which they had lived in for two seasons, to a Sleestack temple. Now, a lot of people think the reason they moved was that there was a fire that destroyed the sets for Land of the Lost, when, in fact, the fire was at the set for Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And I think people think that the show Land of the Lost was filmed on those sets, and it's a big joke about how cheap the show was. Ha ha ha, the show had so little money, they had to share it with another show. But the Sigmund and the Sea Monster fire was completely unrelated and took place in a completely different area from the Land of the Lost set. Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl, the top five Land of the Lost episodes of all time. Number five, The Hole, season one, episode nine, aired November 2nd, 1974. While exploring the Sleestack Cave in the Lost City, Rick is pushed into the pit of the Sleestack God. Rick runs into an intelligent Sleestack named Slatch, who helps him escape The Hole. Number four, The Longest Day. Season 2, Episode 7, aired October 18, 1975. When a crystal in one of the pylons burns out, it causes the sun to stop moving. Rick goes to investigate and gets captured by the Sleestack, who blame him for the problem. Number 3, Gravity Storm. Season 2, Episode 6, aired October 11, 1975. The Marshals try to find out who or what is causing the short periods of immense gravity and think it has something to do with the Zarn. Number 2, Circle, Season 1, Episode 17, aired December 28, 1974. 
Enoch unravels the startling paradox. The Marshals can only leave if replaced by parallel versions of themselves. So even as Rick, Will, and Holly at long last depart through the mist of time doorway, they once again arrive for the very first time in the Land of the Lost. And the number one episode of Land of the Lost is... Elsewhen, Season 1, Episode 15, aired December 14, 1974. Holly is immediately suspicious of the stranger she meets in Enoch's cave. Only after the mysterious woman's insight ensures the rescue of Will and Rick does Holly realize the staggering truth. The mysterious woman, in actuality, is the grown-up version of herself. And there you have it, the Retroist's Top 5 Land of the Lost episodes of all time. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl. The show had a great cast and was led by a great actor, Spencer Milligan, who appeared as park ranger Rick Marshall in the first two seasons of the show. Milligan, the senior of the cast, was really a decent actor, especially for a kid's program, but sadly exited the show after only two seasons. Now the reason behind that seems to be mysterious, but I've read that it may have had to do with a salary dispute. Either way, he gets replaced in the third season by his brother, Uncle Jack, who shows up to take care of the kids after he manages to go back using these mysterious devices that appear throughout the show, these pylons, to actually open up a portal and travel back to Earth, which is weird because it goes against what is said in an episode, which we'll deal with later, about the fact that they could never leave the Land of the Lost. Now, I guess the blood was pretty bad between Milligan and the people at the show because he didn't even return to film his farewell episode. They actually had a crew member with a wig that resembled his hair, which is curly and wonderful, exit through the portal, so you never actually see the front of him as he leaves. It's a sad thing because Milligan was great, and although his replacement, Ron Harper, is a pretty good actor, I always thought that Milligan brought a certain dignity and power to the role. Gravitas, I guess you would say. So after Land of the Lost, Milligan jumped from show to show, appearing in small roles in shows like The Bionic Woman and Alice, Logan's Run, and one of my favorite shows, Quincy, where he actually appears in four episodes. He appears in part one and two of Walk Softly Through the Night, he appears in Gentle Into the Night, and he appears in Across the Line. He plays different characters in three of those episodes. See? Versatility. In the same show, he could play multiple characters. Now where is he now? Spencer Milligan dropped out of acting in the late 80s or seemed to drop out of acting in the late 80s, or at least Hollywood acting. And from what I hear, he actually lives in Wisconsin. So if you're in the Wisconsin area and you know him, I would love to hear what he's doing. Is he still acting? Is he teaching? Is he doing theater? I would love to know. I should mention that I did a article early on in the Retroist's history about why women love the men of the 1970s and managed to find some commercials with Spencer Milligan in it and had not realized when I was looking at it that I was looking at Spencer Milligan. I was so enamored of his 70s rakishness that I was blinded to his celebrity. As I said, he appeared in two commercials that I was able to find, one for a colony wine that I just love and think I'll share with you right now. Picture a cool 70s Rick Marshall with nothing to prove while you listen to this commercial. I'm just a weekend photographer. And that's okay, because I don't take pictures to impress anybody but myself. That's the way I feel about my wine, too. Colony. I tried others, but I was impressed with Colony's taste. And after all, taste is the best way to know if you like a wine. So next time, choose a wine with a taste that says, you know. Impress yourself with a taste of Colony. The character of Will Marshall, or as I like to think of him, the Keith Partridge of Land of the Lost, 
was played by Wesley Yore. I know on the show he's often credited just as Wesley, which was his cool decision and one that he regretted later. Will Marshall was sort of a proto-Rick Marshall growing up in his father's footsteps. Usually on television shows, I have a tendency to find the kid actors somewhat annoying, but I never found Will or Holly annoying on Land of the Lost. They were great kids, and I think Will had a lot of charisma that I would have liked to have seen develop. But sadly, after Land of the Lost, he had a couple of roles in some movies and television shows. He was in The Toolbox Murders and Chomps, which is great. Chomps is awesome. And after that, moved on to do some writing in things like Totally Hidden Video and Dragon Tales. So he did pretty well for himself. But still, I would have liked to have seen him take more roles and act for a little bit longer. An interesting fact about him and why I brought up the whole Keith Partridge thing is that when David Cassidy was about to leave the Partridge family, Wesley Yore was chosen to replace Keith on the show. But sadly, that never happened, and the show was canceled. The youngest of the Marshall family, Holly Marshall, was played by Kathy Coleman. Now, Kathy actually had worked in one show, according to her bio, before Land of the Lost, which was Adam-12 where she played Dora Cassidy. Kathy was on the show for all three seasons of Land of the Lost, from September 1974 to December 1976. Of all the characters on Land of the Lost, besides the people in the suits, I think that Holly is the most iconic of all the Land of the Lost characters, at least the most recognizable with her straight bangs and long braids and that white and red checkered shirt and corduroys. She is easily recognizable. Sadly, after Land of the Lost, Kathy stopped acting and actually moved away from Hollywood for a time after marrying her husband. She actually worked on a dairy farm for a while, had two children, and at last report is living in Santa Monica, California. Unlike many people who have learned to hate their past, from what I understand, Kathy is very happy when people recognize her for her character on Land of the Lost. So if you're in the area and you happen to see Kathy, give her a yell and maybe mention that you were disappointed that they did not give her a cameo in the Land of the Lost movie. Another character that appeared for all three seasons of the show was Shaka, who was played by Philip Paley. He got the role after being discovered, discovered in quotes, while being on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. His claim to fame before taking the role of Chaka in 1974 was that he was, at the time, the youngest black belt in the United States. This was 1973, and he was age nine. So he is seen on the show and does a great job on The Tonight Show, and the people at Sid and Marty Croft decided to offer him the role of Chaka, which he took. After Land of the Lost, there's not a lot of work for Philip Paley. He appeared in a Roger Corman teen exploitation comedy called Beach Balls, which I've seen, and I <laughs> cannot suggest it, and I would not say it's in my top ten movies of all time, but it's funny enough for a teen exploitation comedy. More recently, in the Land of the Lost DVDs, he contributes an interview and does some commentary. By the third season of the show, Spencer Milligan had left, and they needed to replace the lead male character with someone else, and they brought on Ron Harper. And Ron Harper is a good actor. Ron Harper had been in lots of things before. To me, most notably, he was in the Planet of the Apes television series, where he played Alan Verdon. So Uncle Jack was actually searching for his brother and niece and nephew at the time that Rick is pulled through the time doorway and goes home. Conveniently, Uncle Jack falls through a time doorway into the Land of the Lost at about the exact moment and replaces him. Very convenient. Ron Harper has worked consistently since Land of the Lost, on shows like Walker, Texas Ranger, The Odd Couple 2, Melrose Place, 
and most recently on Cold Case. He is a workhorse of an actor. The show had other actors and characters on it. You had Joe Jamalva playing Ta and Sharon Baird playing Sa. There were also some other people playing Sleestack. But to me, most notably, you had Walter Edmiston playing Enoch. Now, Walter Edmiston passed away two years ago. He was a great voice and character actor. Also appeared on Quincy Emmy. And if you're a fan of The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, he did the voice of Sir Thornberry. He also played Inferno on the Transformers. So he has some definite cred in the world of voice acting. Throughout his life, he seemed to be a very hard worker. And he worked right up until he passed away on February 15, 2007. Enoch is one of my favorite characters, and I like him maybe because he explains a lot of the mythology of the show, understanding where and why the Land of the Lost is the way it is. So I guess this is a good opportunity to talk about that. Enoch, who would become the explainer of things about the Land of the Lost, was introduced in the sixth episode of the first season in an episode penned by Walter Koenig from Star Trek, and the episode was titled The Stranger. Now, originally, Enoch was actually named Enig in honor of Gene Roddenberry, reverse of his first name, but it was changed before the episode was filmed, sadly. It's kind of cool that Walter Koenig wrote for Land of the Lost. So Enoch is pulled into the Land of the Lost, but technically he is not a visitor to the Land of the Lost because he is an Altrusian, and the Altrusians were the original inhabitants of the Land of the Lost. And he's been pushed through time to this era of the Land of the Lost. Now he thinks he's in a pre-civilized Altrusian era, but what he actually finds out over time is that in fact he is seeing the future of the Altrusian people. So you see the Altrusians are a emotionless people. Almost Vulcan-like, I guess you could say. So there's this great moment in the show where Enoch is trying to figure out what caused this state of ruin amongst his people, devolving them into Sleestack. And he thinks that it's their inability to control their emotions. And the marshals actually convince him that perhaps it's not the controlling of the emotions, but the lack of emotions that allows them to degenerate into this uncivilized state. Now, if you haven't seen Enoch, he's that slightly different-looking Sleestack, kind of shorter in stature. He's a slightly different color and actually wears clothes. Now, you could say that he's wearing clothes because he's actually more evolved or more civilized, but he wasn't intended to wear clothes. The fact is, when they were fitting the Sleestack suit to Walter Edmiston, they were gluing scales on it, and it shrunk, so they needed to slit the front of the outfit so that he could actually fit into it. So to cover up those slits, they added the garment, which I think actually works and makes him stand out a little bit more from his Sleestack brethren. The show is populated with lots of megafauna from different ages of Earth's past. Most importantly, you see a lot of dinosaurs, which I mentioned earlier, which is just great. You have Grumpy, who is a T-Rex, and Alice, who is an Allosaurus, but you also have Dopey, who is a baby brontosaurus, who they sometimes use as a pack animal. Two other dinosaurs that you see on the show are Triceratops and Colophysis. Toward the third season, the show departed from its, I don't know, realism, you could say, by including things like Medusas and Yetis, a Hydra, just all sorts of crazy stuff. I guess you could see the writing was on the wall by the third season when they started to go crazy. So how did the original Land of the Lost end? Well, it never actually ended. It was canceled before they successfully were able to return home. But at the end of the first season, there's an episode called The Circle, which featured a really cool plot twist. The marshals, by falling through the 
waterfall actually created a paradox in time. For some strange reason, the marshals didn't fall through the waterfall through a time portal, but were actually killed. Yet for some reason, they're still alive in the land of the lost and the paradox is never explained. So the only resolution would be for them to open the time doorway and to return home. But at the same time, if they did, they would go through the waterfall or some other fate and return to the land all over again. So it seems like, so I'm not going to speculate as to why they're in the land or what kind of world this is, but the marshals are unique in that their death is what triggers their entry into the land of the lost not like others who fall through through other means. So I guess we could see that perhaps they did get out. Perhaps they've lived a life and they're back in the Land of the Lost again, constantly trying to escape and relive their lives outside the Land of the Lost. None of this adequately explains why, when Rick went through, he didn't come back into the Land of the Lost, but instead was replaced by Jack. The only thing I could come up with is that since they kind of came in and out at the exact same time. The paradox shifted in some way to Jack, and Rick was allowed to go free. Marshall, Will, and Holly On a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known I on the rapids struck their tiny raft ah! and plunged them down a thousand feet below to the land of the lost I know that is the theme that most everyone is familiar with, but did you know that there was a theme actually recorded for the third season, one that took into account the disappearance of Rick and the appearance of Jack? And it went a little something like this. to say it's not quite as catchy. In 1991, Land of the Lost got a reboot, which ran for two seasons. Instead of the Marshall family this time, the Porter family 
fell through a time portal into the land of the lost. The show mirrored the original show in that it had a father named Tom Porter, his son Kevin, and their daughter Annie. Instead of a raft, they fell through the time portal in their Jeep Cherokee. They meet a young jungle girl named Krista, who fell into the Land of the Lost when she was a young girl. Now, Krista actually was supposed to be Holly Marshall as the mystery girl who was there, and Chaka was supposed to be in the show as well. But due to casting problems, they were re-visualized as Krista and her Paku friend Stink. The Slee Stack at least returned for this show, and the jungle is again filled with terrifying dinosaurs. One notable one, a one-eyed T-Rex named Scarface, who lived near the area where the family makes their home, and always chases them in an attempt to eat them. Although, why both of these families choose to live in T-Rex hunting grounds has always been a mystery to me, unless there's just so many T-Rexes in the Land of the Lost that we're not aware of. The show was pretty good. It had better effects than the original series. I just didn't feel that the stories were as solid as the original Land of the Lost and didn't build on the mythology of the show. I guess I would have liked to have seen more about the Slee Stack as explained in the first two seasons of the original show, and there definitely weren't enough time paradoxes to make me happy. Still, it did succeed in keeping the show on people's minds and I actually have met a couple of people who really love this show. So unless you've been living in a cave or stuck in the land of the lost, you probably know that the feature film starring Will Ferrell is going to be coming to theaters on June 5th and will probably be a huge hit. Sure, they changed the plot a bit. Now the three members of the party falling through the portal are not related, but I'm sure they did that for a comic effect. And the movie will be more of a parody of the original show as opposed to a serious remake. So picture lots of jokes like you would have seen in the remake of Starsky and Hutch or The Brady Bunch. I don't know if I have much of an opinion about how the movie will be made. I think a comedy route is a good one, and bringing Will Ferrell into the Land of the Lost probably doesn't hurt the chances of people rediscovering the old show. So I am very much on board that, and we'll be seeing it the day it opens, and we'll probably be right on the site telling you what I thought. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash retroist. Do you like horror and the haunt industry? Drop by Rotting Flesh Radio at rfrpodcast.com. Thanks to Metagirl and her top five list. If you have an idea for a top five list, email it to Metagirl at metagirl at retroist.com. If you have an idea for a podcast, email it to me at retroist at retroist.com or leave a message at the Retroist hotline at 641-715-3900, extension 57185. Want to chat? Why not drop me a message via AOL Instant Messenger? My handle is retroist. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. Changing, changing the face of the earth is changing, changing every day. Stink? Really? Stink? Can't believe the name of Stink. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.